You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend, everybody. It's Hour 2, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Check in with Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He's started an initiative or reignited an initiative to have the Washington Redskins change their nickname. So we'll talk to Florio about that coming up. Phone calls are welcome as we do every Monday. Best and worst of the weekend. What you saw that you liked, you didn't like. We'll give you our best and worst of the weekend. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Say good morning to our radio and TV partners. One month until the franchise players can sign that long-term deal. So deadline to sign franchise players to long-term deals is one month from today. We spent a lot of time, too much time, talking about Dak Prescott. There's some other players, A.J. Green, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Chris Jones, uh, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Justin Simmons, and you have Dak Prescott in there as well. And we haven't heard too much from the Cowboys, haven't heard much from Jerry Jones on a variety of things, but... The Dak Prescott deal, something gets done. The question is, is it short-term? Is it long-term? Is it a four-year deal? Five-year deal? Three-year deal? But Dak Prescott will get paid. And then once he gets paid, we'll move on to Deshaun Watson, and then we'll have Patrick Mahomes as well. But uh, we'll talk to Florio about that with uh, one month to play with before these uh, franchise players uh, have to be can be signed to these long-term deals one month from today. Couple other things. Um, you had golf over the weekend, and it was live. It was interesting. And I know you may not know Daniel Berger or Colin Morikawa, but uh, the Charles Schwab Challenge was fun. Uh, extra uh, playoff hole there. PGA Tour CBS pulled off the broadcast despite the limitations there. Jim Nance did yeoman's work there, basically doing the entire broadcast. And uh, I don't know if. You know, this is going to hold up our interest. But right now, it was live sports and being able to watch it. Uh, it was a win for the PGA Tour and certainly for Daniel Berger. And as long as everyone emerges healthy, it's going to be a victory for everybody who uh, hoping for sports to come back. It's kind of tricky now because you have certain states saying, hey, we're open for business or we're going to have fans. The uh, governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, says he expects Texas college football games to have at least 50% attendance. Texas reopened amid the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and the governor says that uh, sports stadiums would be allowed to operate at 25% of capacity. He revised that to 50% just a week later, giving rise to hopes that Texas would be given the green light to potentially fill stadiums to capacity this fall. The governor's message to the athletic directors was clear. According to a person with knowledge of the call, it would take either a vaccine or a drastic drop in cases for capacity to increase beyond 50% and that schools should not count on either development by the time the football season starts. There was a headline that was attached to Ohio State because Ohio State's going to make its uh, football players sign a waiver when they come back. I talked to a source last night and said that it's not just Ohio State. There are going to be other schools that will follow suit with this. I don't know how binding it is, legally binding it is, but I think this might be just, um, you know, the team saying you need to be responsible for yourself so you can be responsible to your teammates. But uh, I saw where Ohio State had the headline attached to it, and then a 
upon a little further investigation. I was told last night other schools are going to follow suit as well. Talked a little bit about the McGuire Sosa documentary. And I think if this was last year at this time, we'd probably go, oh, that was pretty good. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, now I realize how big that story was. But right now, after the Jordan documentary, even the Lance Armstrong documentary, it sort of fell flat because you're going, okay, kind of lacked a little meat. There wasn't any uh, video that we hadn't seen before, even sitting down with McGuire and Sosa. You know, they weren't forthcoming with anything other than what was happening in the moment with the home run chase. And maybe that's what they were told. Maybe that's what they said they would agree to. Hey, I'll do it, but I'm not going to make this a steroid fest. Uh, and, and Sammy has never acknowledged anything. McGuire at least had to sit down with Bob Costas and, you know, he came forward and, and said, you know, that he had done steroids. Um, I would love to know, and, and we'll never get this, at least probably not in my lifetime, where you would have an athlete. I would love for Lance Armstrong to say, I did this on this day, this amount, this is what I did, uh, this is how it helped. Uh, I injected, somebody injected me. I, I would just want to know, what is the difference before and after? Now, I did talk to somebody who uh, used steroids playing baseball. And I said, what is the feeling like of when you cycle on and cycle off? And he's no longer in the game, but he talked about how you just get this recovery feel. Like you can just continue to work out. You can continue to play. You're not fatigued. And you obviously see that there is more power there. There's more size there. But I wondered, what's that like when you inject or however you use it? You know, is it immediate? And he said, no, it's not immediate. But you you have this ability to be able to play or lift weights. And then, you know, the recuperative powers, he said that that's the amazing part of it. And he said, you guys would get caught up in, you know, the, the hitters using steroids. Pitchers would use steroids so they were able to recover and be able to pitch the next day if they were a long reliever. Uh, starters, you know, the recovery part of this. But, yeah, I was just curious about that. But we weren't going to hear that last night with McGuire and Sosa. I didn't expect it. I just saw sort of the social media backlash like, wait a minute, you're going to spend five minutes on steroids here? Well, I think basically what that 30 for 30 was is let's just open up the scrapbook and take a stroll down memory lane. Because there was nothing salacious in there, but this is where America was at the time in 1998. And you juxtapose that to Jordan in his last year, 1998. In fact, yesterday was the uh, 22nd anniversary of uh, that shot, that last game in Salt Lake. That was going on. You had all of this unrest with the Bulls. They were falling apart. They win the title. They're, they're going to disband. And you had Sosa and McGuire who were on national news. When they homered, it was national news. When they got to 60 home runs, it was a big, big deal. And Jordan, I mean, it was a wonderful time. You had Cal Ripken with his consecutive game streak, which is not exciting, but it was impressive and celebrated. Like it was, it was only like he showed up for work. Yeah. Like you, you can't go, hey, honey, come on. Ripken's showing up for work. Hold on. I'll be there in a second. Now he's got to get to five, five innings. And, uh, you know, the only interesting part of that was when he passed Luke Gehrig, then it became interesting, but, you know, showing up for work and going, you know, one for four, 
but the Jordan, you know, documentary, and then McGuire, and I just thought it was sort of flat. Um, it was good for people who hadn't seen that because the Jordan documentary gave an entire generation, well, even more so than us, and we were right there, you know, right front and center. And I learned some things from that that I did not know or saw things that I did not see. Certainly the Pippin part of that, uh, you know, the Jerry Krause role. And, you know, you sort of, I remember at the time, and I was talking to Dr. Jack Ramsey, uh, God rest his soul, the Hall of Fame coach. And we were talking off camera because he was the analyst for SportsCenter. And I said, Jack, I, I, the Bulls will not disband. And he was with me. Like at the time, I knew that there was acrimony, but you just kept thinking, well, you, you can't let this happen. You got Phil and Jordan. And, and then you realize Phil didn't want to continue to do it. And Michael wasn't going to do it if Phil didn't want to do it. And then, you know, Scotty wanted to be paid. And could you trust Rodman to, you know, stay on course here? And you got Ron Harper a little long in the tooth. You did have Kuko. Like you started to think about these things in the moment. I was wide eyed and naive. I'm going, they have to keep this together. I was the same. I had the same approach to McGuire and Sosa. Wide eyed, naive, and I wanted to believe what I was seeing. Or I didn't want to believe what I wasn't seeing, if that makes sense. And, you know, when people bring up, oh, why do you focus on steroids? I missed, I missed, it was right in front of me. I missed it. And, I always felt that it was I was doing a disservice to the audience if I didn't know or didn't explore. I was afraid to explore. And I was around McGuire a lot that year. And even at the award shows at the ESPYs, I was around McGuire a lot and even socially. Uh, but I, I said this last hour and, and I truly believe I think he got into something and he didn't know how to get out of it because you know, baseball players have cheated. Guys have used steroids. But nobody, you know, the national spotlight, like the CBS Evening News or ABC or Good Morning America, these shows were focused on this. And I think McGuire, all of a sudden, this became so big, now everybody's looking at you. And once they start, they build you up, they tear you down. Yes, Eden. Yeah, one of the things that they did show last night, and again, it's just a quick thing when they're talking about uh, steroids and andro and stuff like that, and they had they showed some interviews with fans, you know, just quick snippets, and people would say, I don't care, they're not testing for it, so it's not illegal. Yeah. You know, that that is one thing that I think in hindsight, it's tough to recapture that sort of mindset and understanding how people felt that, well, they're not testing for it, so it's not illegal. So what's the problem? Yep, and I got that whenever I'd bring up Bonds. We never tested positive. Or Roger Clemens, he never tested positive. Well, they weren't testing in 2003. But look, I know we go down this road and it's, it's if baseball, the Hall of Fame wants to put these guys in, put them in. All right. It's a museum you know, that tell the story of baseball, put them in. Pete Rose, tell the story of baseball, put him in. He has benefited far more by not being in the Hall of Fame. If Pete Rose is in the Hall of Fame, nobody cares. Bonds and Clemens will care for a little while, and then this might be something that, you know, is brought up occasionally. Oh, well, the Veterans Committee put him in. You want to put him in? Put him in. You know, Sammy Sosa hit over 60 home runs four times. He's not getting in the Hall of Fame. 
McGuire hit just under 600 home runs, right? He's not getting in the Hall of Fame. You want to put him in? It's a museum. Put him in. But Baseball Hall of Fame works with Major League Baseball. They're separate. And the Baseball Hall of Fame could put Pete Rose on the ballot if they wanted to. But I would rather just tell the history. And back then with McGuire and Sosa, even though Sammy's never come clean on anything with this, McGuire has. Um, but you want to put him in the Hall of Fame? Go ahead. Tell the story of baseball. Put him in. Yeah, Paul. I've always thought that, and it showed a little bit last night in the documentary, Ken Griffey Jr. is one of the biggest beneficiaries of the steroid era because he didn't hit 60 home runs in 2000, 2001. That's when he kind of cooled off with injuries. His best year is Ken Griffey Jr., 97, 56, 98, 58, or 56, 99, 48, and then the injuries. And he kind of, and this may sound naive, gets left off the people who we think may have done steroids list. And we blame his injuries on whatever his injuries were. But he's never talked about it. He's never lumped in and because there's never been any proof or any allegations. But because he got hurt, he didn't hit 50 home runs for the next five seasons. Yeah, the problem is, if Bonds doesn't hit 73, if he hits 63, we're not as suspicious, believe it or not. Sometimes you get so big, so good, and then you don't realize how you look. And, you know, whenever you cheat on a test, if I was going to look at Greg Sliger's paper in chemistry, I had to make sure I didn't get a better grade than Greg Sliger. I needed an 82 while he got a 97. Nobody was suspicious. But when you go, hey, I got a 97 too, and I sat right next to the smartest guy in the room. That's not smart. So Bonds was too good at this. And I think McGuire got too good at this. Sammy got too good at this. It's like if Brady Anderson doesn't hit 50 home runs, nobody's suspicious. If Brady Anderson hits 42 home runs, we go, okay, all right. Man, he had a pretty good year. You hit 50, now all of a sudden people go, wait, what? Because he didn't come close to that after that. You can't get too good at this. Yeah, Paul. Bonds, his 73 home run season was 2001. Now, that, as impressive as that is, three years later, Bonds hit 362. His batting average was 362. He hit 45 home runs, which sounds like it's not that much, but he was intentionally walked 232 <laughs> times, most by far in baseball history. And that's intentionally walked, not walked, right. intentionally walked. Yeah, and so that means he, he <gasps> you removed 232 chances. <laughs> Based on his you know, odds per home run, he's looking at 85 home runs if he was intentionally walked at a normal rate. Yeah, McLevin. Did they intentionally walk him with the bases loaded? Yeah, Buck, Buck Showalter did it. And Showalter won the game. And we had him on, and, and he stood by it. He's like, hey, I'll do it again. <laughs> you just don't realize how good Bonds was. His eye, his ability to... The, the, I mean, he had such a great eye. And his ability to hit that ball deep, you know, when it when it came into the strike zone, he could wait for a very last second. I don't know if we've ever had anybody who had that. I know people talk about Ted Williams. Barry Bonds, to me, with his eye, and then you added the power to that. And he had that really compact swing. And it, and it looked like that bat was a 33-inch or something. He would choke up on it a little bit. Man, that was, that was powerful, powerful. Great. Uh, during the Bulls' playoff run in 1998, 
the last eight times in which Sosa played a game on the same day as the Bulls played a playoff game, Sammy hit a total of seven home runs, <laughs> including the conference finals and the finals. It was a like you're talking about a great time to be in a city. You had Jordan ending with the Bulls, and then you had the Cubs. Now the Cubs weren't good, but Sammy was must see TV. He really was pretty incredible. Most home runs in a season in baseball history, players not connected with PEDs. Uh, this is uh, John Clark from uh, NBC. He's a Philly guy, by the way, just so to give you a hint of where this list came from. Okay. Roger Maris, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, Giancarlo Stanton, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Fox, and Hank Greenberg. All right. How do we know uh, anybody after Jimmy Fox didn't do so well? Hank no, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Griffey had 56 twice. I don't know if Stanton is. Like I, I'm, if he is, I wouldn't be surprised. If he's not, well, good for you. Ryan Howard, I don't know. Nobody does. But you're like, yeah, that guy's got to be on. When you see somebody, that guy's got to be on steroids. I've seen guys, I know a former player on steroids, and he was thinner than me. I don't even know if he weighed 200 pounds. And he had a couple of big seasons. Yes, Eden. Someone on Twitter just asked if 1998 is the best year in sports ever. Oh. Um, hmm. What else would be in... What happened football-wise in 1998? Broncos? Broncos. Falcons? Yeah. Which year do you count? The Super Bowl year or the season? Um... Well, I don't know which which one's yeah, better. That was Randy Moss's uh, rookie year. That was awesome. I seem to recall. Is that when they went fifteen and one? I think so. And in, in the Gary Anderson missed yeah. the kick. We have to check that. Yeah. But. Yes, Paul. In in two thousand sixteen, you had Villanova winning the title with a last second shot. Was it Jenkins? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cubs down three one to win the World Series. Yeah. You had the Cleveland Cavaliers down beat Golden State to win the uh, NBA title. LeBron. That's pretty good. Uh there's a few more there. Yeah, we'd have to do some research there. The best year in sports, at least modern era. Let me take a break. Mike Florio is set to join us, and a few things talk to him about uh, this initiative to uh, have the NFL re-examine the Washington Redskins uh, nickname. Also, these players have a month uh, signing that franchise tag, including Dak Prescott. So we'll talk a little football with Mike. He'll join us coming up next. It's 20 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Dan Patrick Show brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. It's the all-new GT four-door coupe. Life's a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the Dan Patrick Show app, watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. He's the founder of Pro Football Talk. He's uh, on Pro Football Talk Live, co-host with uh, Chris Sims. His latest article, Drew Rosenhaus, Colin Kaepernick should get signed. Is Colin Kaepernick represented by Drew Rosenhaus, his, his football rights, Mike? No, no, Jeff Nally represents Colin Kaepernick and has for several years now. But Rosenhaus, a prominent agent, spoke to NBC News and shared that opinion. And I feel like 
This time around, more people are speaking openly about what the NFL needs to do as it relates to Colin Kaepernick. And I think we're just waiting to see if one of the 32 teams will do something, bring him in for a workout, negotiate with him on a contract, and maybe add him to the roster now that the mood seems to be a lot different than it was when the blackballing began three and a half years ago. Do we know if Kaepernick wants to play if he is going to be a backup quarterback? Definitely wants to play, definitely willing to be a backup. I think it's going to be a challenge to work out the right contract because from one perspective, you could say, Dan, he should just take whatever he can get, even if it's the minimum salary. From the other perspective, and I think this is part of the notion that the pendulum is swinging the other way. You put Kaepernick's name and number on an NFL jersey of one of the 32 teams, that jersey probably becomes the highest selling jersey immediately, coast to coast. That team develops a national following immediately. You know, teams do the hard knock show because they want to have a national following and it it never happens. This is a way. If you're looking for a national platform, this is the way to do it. So there is value in having him on the team from a business standpoint, whereas four years ago, people were afraid to have him on the team from a business standpoint. And also, he's going to help your team get better. We've looked at a lot of the depth charts. And I start with the Houston Texans. Who fits better as the backup to Deshaun Watson, given his skill set? A.J. McCarron or Colin Kaepernick? It's that simple. It's a no-brainer. It's Kaepernick, not McCarron. I thought Kansas City would be a soft landing spot with Andy Reid. Uh, You know, you got the most secure player in football in Patrick Mahomes. And I thought, you know, they just won the Super Bowl. You could bring in Colin Kaepernick. And Mahomes would welcome that because some of these quarterbacks, I wonder if Russell Wilson welcomed Colin Kaepernick. I just don't know what to make of that Pete Carroll story, Mike, because why would a coach call Pete Carroll or somebody in the front office? Pete Carroll didn't spend much time with Colin Kaepernick. I'd be calling Jim Harbaugh or Greg Roman before I'd be calling Pete Carroll. Explain that to me. Well, and Jim Harbaugh has said publicly on the record, he's on PFT Live and said this a few years ago, Colin Kaepernick will help you win championships with an S, not one, but multiple. But he is a guy that people should be talking to. And the whole Seahawks thing is weird to me. They they didn't sign him because they regard him as a starter. Well, why'd you bring him in for a visit then if you were looking for a backup when you regard him as a starter? He never had a workout with the Seahawks. They view him as a starter. I think back in 2017, they had deeper issues on that team. They had guys in that locker room that resented Russell Wilson that maybe would have lined up behind Colin Kaepernick if he was on the team and created a problem as to whether or not maybe Russell Wilson should be benched for Colin Kaepernick. I think that's one of the reasons they steered clear. But why even bring him in if that's the case? That's what's odd about it. But but according to Carroll, somebody's doing their due diligence. Somebody's interested. And I really do think that the atmosphere is much different now than it was three years ago. And I'd like to think somebody's going to take a step back and say, hey, you want there, there may be a segment of the fan base that isn't happy about this. Well, to hell with them. If they, if they want to huff and puff, Go ahead. We've got a lot more people now who will embrace us for giving Colin Kaepernick the chance he's been denied for the last three years. I've seen people speculate on where Colin Kaepernick could end up. And I don't know if you caught my interview with Doug Williams, who works with the Redskins. And I did say, hey, have you guys thought about Colin Kaepernick? And he goes, no, because of President Trump, the the military that's in Washington, D.C., and you know, now I get to your initiative where now we're looking at that nickname for, you know, Washington's team. 
I don't know if Daniel Snyder would entertain that. I, I don't know if it would, hey, I'll, I can bring in Kaepernick, just let me keep my nickname. Like, I don't know how any of this works, but I don't put it past any of these owners. What do you make of Washington, D.C., first of all, with what Doug Williams said? Well, I mean, if you sign Colin Kaepernick, there's a chance the first thing he says at his introductory <laughs> press conference is, all right, let's change the nickname. Right? I've been waiting for somebody in that organization to stand up in this moment, Dan. If we are taking a stand against racism in all forms, if they are taking down the Christopher Columbus statue in Richmond, Virginia, where the team has its training camp, the conversation has expanded beyond racism against black Americans, Native Americans who were shoved out of the way when the Europeans came over 500 plus years ago. Those Native Americans have a seat at this table too. And it's astounding to me. And we've been pushing this for a week and a half now. And I've been hoping and praying that somebody will catch on to it and run with it. And somebody from within the team. I mean, this is a time where it isn't courageous anymore to stand up and say the right thing and do the right thing. And I just keep waiting for whether it's the coach, whether it's one of the players, whether it's somebody to say, hey, you know what? We're taking a stand against racism. This name is a dictionary-defined slur. Now's the time to change it. And I, I keep waiting and hoping that to make this moment complete and to give the NFL a true way to impact. You know, it's, it's one thing to issue statements and videos and throw money at the problem. And it's, that's fine. That's needed. But if you really want to prove that things are different, NASCAR gets rid of the Confederate flag, the NFL changes the Washington nickname and repairs Colin Kaepernick, gets him to where he would be right now if he hadn't wrongfully been denied a job the last three and a half years. Talking to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Uh, Baker Mayfield, J.J. Watt, uh, Bill O'Brien, talking about taking a knee here. Um, you know, that's why I go back to, you know, you, you, you kind of snuck that in with the Texans might be a great spot here. And knowing your relationship with Bill O'Brien, I wonder if Bill O'Brien, a coach, is going to take a knee. You got a secure quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and you could bring in Colin Kaepernick. Man, that might might be able to put a nice little bow on this. Hey, Dan, it's a no-brainer. And I thought of it last week when I combined the heartfelt message that Bill O'Brien had almost two weeks ago when he first addressed the George Floyd murder and his feelings on where things currently stand in the country. Bill O'Brien, who's both the coach and the GM of the Houston Texans. So he doesn't have to say, well, the GM didn't let me sign this guy. He has that authority. He attended the George Floyd funeral last week in Houston. Mm -hmm. Cal McNair, the owner of the team, was there. And that was the moment when Al Sharpton said, this isn't about putting Colin Kaepernick back to work. It's about repairing him. It's very, you know, well, the, the best argument now for not signing Colin Kaepernick is, well, he hasn't played in three years. Well, he hasn't played in three years because you've frozen <laughs> him out for three years. It's not his fault. And you mentioned the Chiefs. I mean, if Andy Reid is the guy who gave Mike Vick a second chance after two years out of football for something he did, why not give Colin Kaepernick? It's, I hate to even use the word second chance. Yeah. Second chance implies there's a need for a second chance. Why not be the one to bring him back after three years and give him an opportunity to get to where he otherwise would have been after being wrongfully denied employment the last three years? And uh, speaking to you know African-American who's still in the NFL, and he said last year, until the white stars get behind this, it will not have it won't have the movement, the momentum that we need. And now you're talking about Baker Mayfield and J.J. Watt and, uh, you know, a coach in the NFL who's willing to do this. I, I get the feeling that you might be in the minority if you're not kneeling on game day. What do you think is going to happen? And I know we got a lot of time before we get to September, but 
What do you think the sidelines are going to look like? Well, you know, it's funny. Justin Jackson of the Chargers last week made the comment that there's a chance by the time we get to September, there'll be no need to kneel because the change will be happening to the point where there isn't the importance to bring attention to the problem. But I think as of right now, based upon where we are, based upon where we likely will be in September, there will be a lot of people kneeling. And I, I loved Baker Mayfield's message because it's the message the NFL should have had from day one. I'm doing the right thing here. And if I lose fans over it, I don't care. The NFL's problem in 2017 is they feared that there would be a segment of the fan base that would turn away from them and it would affect them in the pocketbook. It would affect them in the TV ratings. And to a certain extent, the anthem controversy did affect the NFL that year. The world is different, though, this time around. And I think the NFL needs to go back and throw away the playbook from 2017 and recognize that, you know what, first of all, anybody who does refuse to watch football, and a lot of people will say they refuse to watch and still watch, but if they are going to turn away from us, that's their problem. We don't want their business if that's how they think, if they refuse to understand that kneeling during the anthem isn't disrespect of the flag, the military, and the country. And secondly, maybe there is a net gain here, as I said earlier. We sell jerseys. We sell tickets. We develop a national following because we're the ones who stood up and did the right thing. NBA season opener still on time, but where do we stand with fans in the stands? Well, I, look, Dan, I'm, I'm concerned about the things that I'm hearing, and I know that the media has moved on to a large extent from the coronavirus, but when you see the spikes in some of these states and when you see states reopening and nightclubs packed with people and no masks in sight, I'm just concerned that when we get to September, it's going to be impossible to have fans at these games. I just hope that they can come up with procedures and protocols that the union, the league, the coaches, everybody are on the same page about. You know, there's a protocol out there. The union hasn't agreed to it. John Harbaugh was complaining about it last week. They got a lot of work to do to come up with a system that gets everyone on the same page and that keeps the virus off of the playing field, out of the locker room and off of the playing field. That locker room is usually a Petri dish and the playing field is worse. And they better have a good plan or they're going to get this thing started and it's going to fall apart by the end of September. NFL owners on the clock here for uh, that franchise tag. And can you see, I know that it's been Dak Prescott and I know there are other players there. Ngakwe and A.J. Green here, but it, it, is there, like, the worst-case scenario for the Cowboys with Dak Prescott is what? Well, the worst-case scenario is they don't get a deal done with him before July 15th, so they can't do a multi-year deal for 2020. Then he holds out of training camp in the preseason and shows up a week before the opener, like Le'Veon Bell did three years ago, and the Cowboys have to decide, do we go with Andy Dalton, who's ready to go? Or do we go with a guy who's just walked through the door? And if they don't do that long-term deal by July 15, you've got Dak Prescott on the Kirk Cousins plan, where it's $31.4 million this year, $37.8 million next year, 2022. It's either $45 million if they use the transition tag, $54 million if they use the <laughs> franchise tag a third time, or he walks away into free agency. And see, that's what this comes down to, Dan. It's a very simple analysis. What will the Cowboys offer Dak Prescott to give up $69 million over the next two years plus a shot at free agency like Kirk Cousins got? What, what, what will it take to get him to trade that, trade that in? That's the challenge, and that's what the Cowboys have to answer. And they have to come up with enough to get him to trade in what he currently has in his hand. Good to talk to you, Mike. Hope you're well. We appreciate your time as always. 
All right, Dan. See you, buddy. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk Live, profootballtalk.com. We'll take a break. Your phone calls are coming up next and uh, our best and worst of the weekend right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. All righty. Best and worst of the weekend. We'll give you ours. Let's go around the room. Let's take a spin around the room. Back left, Todd. Best and worst of the weekend. My best, the MLB Players Association rejecting the league's latest proposal and wanting to know by today, supposedly, mm. what the game plan will be for a season. It would be great to set the schedule and move on already from all this. My worst. The S- wait, wait. That's your best? That was my best because now they're forced to move something along and set up day after day after day. If they're going to hold to this Monday deadline today, maybe we're going to finally get to the commissioner to say it is a season, deal with it, and here's the schedule. And then we have to keep talking about if they're going to play, when they're going to play, how many games. You know, I- this whole thing about baseball and when they're coming back and how many games and and maybe it's going to be make it the regular season have a little tension because baseball's regular season doesn't have much tension. Usually with individual honors, you might have that. But there's just so many games. If you're going to have 48 or 50 games, then, you know, these games are going to they're all going to meet like you could go into a, a weekend series and lose that and all of a sudden you could be in you know real jeopardy here in a couple of weeks or you know when they start the regular season but you know now you're going to force the players to come back i can't imagine that next negotiating session that they have after next season because it's not going to go well at all the players will not forget this yes fritzy my worst of the weekend, the Athletic Shams Cherania reporting the NBA Players Association of the belief no fans will be permitted to attend games during the entire 2020-21 season. The thought that they could even have this kind of conversation now that we wouldn't be able to go to any NBA games all next year yeah. is a little disheartening. Yeah, see, I hate when we get so far down the road with this because we've done that with all of our sports where we say this date and then it's no, it's going to be this date. Now we're saying no fans in the stands coming up next season. College football is bringing... Fans back in Texas. I don't know where we're going to be in three months, six months, three weeks. Yes, McLovin, best and worst. Best, obviously, my favorite golfer, golfer of all time, Daniel Berger, coming away with the win. Florida State grad. Uh, from- oh, don't even try it. Don't even try it. <laughs> I had heard of him, though. Because it, don't, don't okay. Try, don't my it. other sort of best worst. Uh, I'm watching the NASCAR news. Guess who came in? Uh, our guy, Denny Hamlin, won. Chase Elliott came in. Sorry, Paulie. Chase Elliott came in second. What is the deal with Chase Elliott? Is his car made with rocket fuel? <laughs> that dude is second, first, or third, and he's like in the lead late every race. I never even heard of him until this year. He's in every race. That's uh, all I'm saying. Uh, Seton O'Connor, best and worst. Uh, my best of the weekend was Italian soccer being back, actually. Uh, Juventus played on Friday, which is just one more step. Cereal. You keep checking off all of these leagues coming back, and yeah. it feels like there's actually progress, whereas here, when you're watching the NBA, it feels like there's been zero progress, and MLB, despite the the storylines keep changing every day, it doesn't actually feel like on Monday we're any closer to games being played. Premiership comes back Wednesday? Is that uh, 21st? Yeah, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure it's this weekend. Yeah, this, oh, this, this weekend. I think yeah. this Wednesday they're supposed to start it up. The I thought I saw a promo. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that could be with Wednesday. With NBCSN. Right. With Rebecca Lowe talking about it coming back. All right, chats. Yeah, uh, that was my best of the weekend, but sort of my bestie worst-ish mixed together because despite on Friday it felt like there was probably going to be more news here on Monday, I don't feel like we're actually any closer to games. Paul Yester. 
Uh, best of the weekend, Denny Hamlin getting his 40th career, career win at Homestead. Not Homestead 40th, but his career win. And he got it at Homestead. Uh, lots of weather delays with the NASCAR race. And I'm sitting there with my daughter as they're showing another delay. My daughter goes, uh, I go, she goes, why are there so many weather delays? I'm like, well, you know, Miami and there's lots of weather. And she goes, why don't they race it inside in a dome? And I was like, well, I think the exhaust would be bad for the, the fans in the stands. But I'm guessing there's no physical way. I, I, I think there's like a, some race out in Oklahoma, a chili bowl. They're, they race indoors. But my guess is 43 cars in a dome would be bad for the people in the stands. Probably so. Probably. But I don't know that for 100%. Could be the right fans, maybe. like Meaning like actual circular fans, not... Mm. Yeah. Mm. Carbon monoxide poisoning. There. NASCAR in a dome, if it ever happens, my daughter came up with the idea. Will in Chicago joins us. Hi, Will. Hey, Dan. First time, long time. Uh, I have a best of the weekend for you. Um, I graduated from law school on Sunday, and my wife put together an awesome weekend of socially distant virtual celebrations with some of our family and friends. Um, I just wanted to thank you, the Danettes, and all the guys in the back for everything you guys do to put together the show five days a week. I listened on an almost daily basis during law school, and you guys certainly kept me sane, especially during that first year. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. And, Dan, I, I hope you never retire, man. Hey, Will, what what uh, kind of law are you going to practice? I'll be in uh, litigation um, at a firm here in Chicago. All right. Well, if, if you pass the bar... No, when you pass the bar, if you would like to be our house legal counsel, uh, you know, pro bono, of course, uh, you know, we could have used you to go after Tom Brady with the uh, Tampa Bay shirts there. But uh, just saying, Will, if you know, if you want to put it on the resume that you were uh, house counsel for the Dan Patrick show, I mean, you know, I'll leave that. You talk to your wife. Tell your tell your wife you got a job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Done. You got it. All right. Well, good. Thank you, Will. That was easy. I can dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. McLovin was a paralegal. That's that's about as close as we've gotten. Yeah. You guys asked me some legal questions way above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> like we kind of like we're file clerks. And my daughter just graduated environmental law. But it feels like when somebody graduates law school, you can ask them any question that has to do with the law. And, and my daughter will go, Ah, uh, that's not my field of expertise. I'm doing environmental law. Hey, uh, Grace, I was going to ask you about, and then she'll go, I, 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 didn't, I don't know about that. Yeah, Paul. What is the worst job to have to be bothered by neighbors for free advice? L- law degree, doctor, dentist? Car mechanic. Car mechanic. You know what? Electricians. I think Plumber? electricians are asked all the time, like, hey, uh, I got the switch in. It's not even asked for advice. It's can you do it? Yeah. Oh, really? Just free help. Just like straight up free help, I think. Uh, TJ in Texas. Hey, TJ, what do you have for me? Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call again. Sure. Um, I just have a worst of the weekend, and it was that NASCAR Xfinity race on Saturday. Who was it? Noah Gregson had like a 10-second lead with a few laps to go. There was a spin out, and then he loses on the restart. It just doesn't seem fair. And I just want to give a quick shout-out to my dad, Antonio in Phoenix. This is a, a way to for me and him to bond and uh, keep in communication. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Awesome. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I said, uh, awesome. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that accent. New word. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Friday? I don't. It's where not, did I come up with awesome? The grill open? Instead of awesome. 
Smell a shirt, I tell you that. Awesome. I, I sent a t-shirt. Yeah. Is that, who does uh, Gig'em? Uh, is that the Aggies? A&M, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of like a, Assum's a whole Assum's different the, uh, cheer. The other one. <laughs> nice Assum. <laughs> Assum. Uh, Brad in North Carolina. Hi, Brad. What do you have for me today? Hey, what up, DP? Hey, Brad. Uh, so, uh, best of the weekend. Um, we just uh, finished up here in North Carolina, the Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament, one of the most uh, prestigious, the oldest, biggest Marlin tournaments in the world. And a boat pulled into port to fish the tournament called the Catch-23 out of Jupiter, Florida. And they fished the tournament, caught a fish, brought it to scales, and off the boat stepped the owner of the boat, one Michael James Jordan. So really cool to see him uh, participating in our sport. Worst of the weekend, his 443-pound fish, um, Unfortunately, wasn't good enough to crack the top three, uh, which pays out. Uh, I think the first was three point three million. To give you an idea, the second place boat won one point one million. So, high roller, but you can imagine with MJ's competitiveness, he probably wasn't too thrilled about that. Yeah, I saw that picture, and so George, I didn't know Jordan's a fisherman, and then I mean that's a, that's a really serious fisherman. Now he had some help there. But a uh, pretty cool boat. He had his, uh, that uh, Tar Heel Blue on it, and it said Catch 23 on it. Yeah, Paul. Do you think Jordan's going out on the water yelling down at the fish, which one of you guys are going to get on my hook today, <laughs> blowing smoke, <laughs> talking smack to the fish, yeah. berating them, berating his fellow uh, guys with the, in his boat, just what are you guys doing? I'm doing all the work. I got into a discussion, and I didn't even want to, but I, you know, He's a musician, and he's well-known, and I'm not going to give him credit because he ruined my day yesterday. And it's not Darius Rucker, but uh, this guy, he said, he's like, started talking to Jordan. He goes, yeah, I'm listening. You're talking about Jordan all the time and blah, blah, and you say it's based off, uh, you know, based on a true story. And I said, I didn't say that. Sam Smith said it. You know, the thing about Isaiah and the dream team, and now you're saying he had uh, air sickness, and I go, I'm just... And now, then I start, probably an hour I'm into this conversation. And I'm not going to let you play Guess That Musician. Uh, who knew Vanilla Ice was that? Whoa, um, how'd you guess? You knew Brad Paisley? <laughs> Brad Paisley. Nope. Oh, God. Weekends, I'm off. Final hour coming up here. Dan and the Danette, Stan Patrick Show. 